Alright you guys, welcome back to another episode of Little Man Big Conversations. We're going to kick it off today with part two of the interview with Brandy Alexander. Hey, if you haven't done it yourself a favor, go back and listen to part one. What are you doing on part two? Stop trying to skip ahead. But hey, we're going to jump into it right now. All my friends were, you know, starting uni, but I couldn't do that because I didn't graduate high school. All my other friends were sort of moving on with their lives and I was sitting here just hating this sport that I'd done since I was 15 that I did nothing with. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, there was there was a fair bit of resentment towards wrestling. Um, I did distance myself from all wrestlers and anything yeah. to do with it. I didn't want to know about it. I really didn't. I wanted to I wanted to sort of to start seriously having a look at my life and, and going, okay, so I'm not going to be a big famous wrestler, so what do I do? Mm, okay. And so, I, and I think that's an important. Um, I think that's an important topic to sort of to sort of bring up with people is that um, it is very hard when the wrestling industry, in one form or another, lets you down um, when you're that young, when you start that young, and yeah. you think wrestling is everything. Yeah. So you're saying like it's always it's always good to have a backup plan. Even, even though if wrestling's you're passionate about it and you want to do it and you want to make it your career, hey, worst things, sometimes these things happen, sometimes scenarios happen, sometimes accidents happen both inside and outside that ring. And you're saying it's always, uh, you'd advise people getting into the business nowadays that, hey, although you may love it, although you may treat it like you want it to be your full-time job, always have that backup plan ready to go. I think I'd actually more so say... Uh- I'd, I'd probably be a little more extreme than that. I'd probably okay. say I don't think that you should be wrestling at 15 years of age. Right. Yeah. Well, more, uh, so, more so to the fact. I don't think that wrestling, maybe training, maybe a little bit of training, okay, but definitely not on shows um, and it should be heavily supervised by parents, I guess, if you're younger than, you're younger than um, 18 and you want to get into training and everything like that. Uh, um, there was, there's no regulations with wrestling, as you know. Mm. So there's nothing that stops um, kids from being taken advantage of by older wrestlers. Right. And I'm not saying every, every older wrestler out there is out there to get you, but I'm saying I know on numerous occasions where 15, 16-year-old wrestlers have been taken advantage of, advantage of or have been bullied or have been anything and it's been very detrimental to them Mm. so i don't actually think that wrestling at such a young age is the best thing you hear the odd stories of you know the ones that that have been wrestling since they were 12 and you know and then they and then they that's all they ever knew and they and they went off and they traveled the world and 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 now they're big superstars but that is the odd story that's not everyone's story yeah you know yeah they are the minority, not the majority. I believe that that wrestling should be heavily, um, heavily, heavily supervised until the age of eighteen. Um, and then I kind of also think that by that point you sort of know what you're doing with your life, or at least have some idea. So you're working usually. By the time you're eighteen, you're working. You've got a job. Yeah. Right. So you've so you don't have to always have a fallback, but you've got a job just in case. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to think, though, that if you decided at 18, 19 years of age, you're working for, you're doing whatever, whatever you're doing with your life at that time, um, 
and you decide that you want to you want to be a wrestler go for it but mm. go fully hard go fully hard yeah because i think that too many people get stuck in this in between sort of stage where they don't push enough that it kind of just drags out their life and is a bit detrimental mm. Mm. yeah does that, that make sense do you yeah, know no. what i'm saying yeah, no, I get what you mean. Like being at such a, a young age, it's kind of those situations where because you're so excited and because it's such a new, exciting thing and new endeavor, there's a lot of times where you're kind of blinded by the situation of just wanting to ap- ap- appease and say yes to a lot of uh, what's happening um, in, a- around at that time. And that can go for anything. It doesn't have to be wrestling related, no. but there there is just that mantra of yes, 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 yes. And sometimes, like you said, the people that um, and not everyone, but sometimes there are some wrestlers out there that are just bullies and they just want to be a bully to you. Now, it could be people that um, run companies. It could be people that are in training with you. And this is a thing across the board. This doesn't again, this doesn't may not even just apply to wrestling, but being at such a young age, bring it back to context, being at such a young age, being involved in wrestling, yeah, you're kind of blinded by the fact of, oh, okay, this just must be how this place works. This just must be a case of um, I don't want to make anyone think less of me. But it is also that thing of sometimes you're getting bullied and, you know, you could be, I guess, some somewhat just not even aware that that's happening to you. Yeah, and at some points it's it's hard. So, like, I remember a specific, taking it way back again, um, when I first started, you know, there were a couple of 15-year-olds that started with me and one of them was a funny little Russian fella. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was an oddball. Everyone knew he was, you know, a bit odd. But there used to be a couple of wrestlers there, well into their 20s, who were literally just ruthless with bullying this kid. I don't know if they just forgot that he was just a 15-year-old boy or if they didn't care or if they thought he deserved it or whatever. But, you know, at the time, like, you know, I used to laugh as well and everything like that. But looking back on it, it's it's pretty fucking disgusting when you've got these grown-ass men picking on this 15-year-old boy to the point where, I mean, I was on the school bus with this kid one day and he's sitting there and he told me that he wanted to kill himself because no one liked him. Right. What do you, what do you say to that at 15 when you, when you know these people that are picking on him, but, but they're, you know, they're big names in the industry and they're so cool and everyone wants to hang out with them. But this kid wants to kill himself because of the stuff that they're saying to him at training at a place Mm. where oddballs are supposed to be able to go and enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I can't speak from firsthand experiences, but because by the time I got there, things were obviously had obviously changed. Different. Yeah. They were different and, by the time you got there, but I mean, you know, you, and they are different these days. It's, uh, I am, I am, you know, going to say that is that there's, there's always assholes in every industry, whether it be wrestling, whether it be work, whether it be rugby, whether it be anything that you do, there's always going to be fucking assholes. But I'm just saying it was one instance there where I was like, this is, you know, like, if this kid had a good home life, he could have gone home to his parents and told his parents this was happening. And his parents would have what? Had a lawsuit? Yeah, you never quite know like how it's going to turn out. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just think it needs to be more regulated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but speaking of the industry, you've, you've now had the argument. You've uh, said, I'm out of here. You've distanced yourself from wrestling. You, you're, putting, you're seemingly putting all the wrestling memories and paraphernalia and um, memories um, into a box, locking it up and going, that chapter of my life is done. It wasn't until... 2010 and almost a year later um I've, i know a lot of people worked f- during uh worked for that show worked in that show and attended that show now one of the people at this famed ipw reunion show was the likes of yourself now you weren't there in a wrestling capacity you were there to get inducted into the ipw hall of fame which has gone on to induct many more members since 2010 what, yes. <laughs> what was what was your mindset and and were you still sort of desensitized and maybe feeling a bit still on the icky side of wrestling at this point going into that Hall of Fame? Well, it was interesting actually because the first contact I actually had with Hawk after we had our massive fight and he kicked me out was the call to ask me if I would be in his Hall of Fame. Right, so he rang you. He personally rang you up and asked you. He personally rang me and he right. and he asked me if I would be in his Hall of Fame. He said, "Doesn't matter the differences that we have. You know, you you're an integral part of the um, of of IPW, and I'd like to I'd like to induct you in our Hall of Fame." Wow. Okay. And I said, "Oh, okay, sure." Right. So and, uh, yeah. So you were pretty accepting of that offer, like straight away. There wasn't any hesitation on your part. I was because I think it was the first step to um, to healing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. So you took it as like a reaching out, not only to induct you and respect you from a professional level, but you felt like, hey, on a personal level, this might be a good sort of extending the olive branch moment for not only yourself, but for the, for the relationship you had with him and the, I guess the company and therefore wrestling in general. Yeah. Anyone knows yeah. that? Anyone who knows Hawk knows that. Like it's big of him. If, if you've had an argument with, with him, it's a big move for him to come to you and not not apologise, but in his way, yeah, it was. It was it was given the olive branch. It was it was as close as I was ever going to get to an apology, you know? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, you know, I, I was quite happy to take that. And um being at the show, it was it it was nice to see everyone, and it was nice to be acknowledged for you know the years that I had put in and everything like that. And it and it did stop me being so bitter um, at the industry. Right. So were you? Could you really grasp on the concept of hey, I'm going into this company's hall of fame now? Were you able to appreciate that moment and and take it all in as best you could or was there still things that sort of blocking you from appreciating that whole night um I think I was still a little bit blocked from appreciating the whole night but like I said again you know baby steps it was the first step towards a better future yeah okay so still feeling not exactly instantly recovered but you're feeling hey I'm feeling a little bit better with it all now like if, if if it came on tv if wrestling came on TV, then you'd watch it as opposed to abruptly changing the channel. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you've opened those doors, but it, where are you at now? So you've taken the time away. 
what happens in your life then? Do you go back to doing the chef degree? Do you think, hey, um, am I going to do something in the contact sports? Like where, where is your world at? Um, at that point, I kind of, um, uh, I had, I'd quit my chef's apprenticeship and I went and worked for McDonald's, which, you know, okay. should generally be the other way. Still cooking. Honest, to be honest. <laughs> Still cooking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. like I decided that, um, you know, that I was going to make a good hard goal of what I was doing. And, you know, I worked my way up into management and then I worked my way into, um, the training and development side of it. So, um, you know, so I wasn't in the restaurants anymore. I was behind the scenes, which, you know, I, you know, was really, really cool for me. Um, but um, I guess at that stage I'd met quite a few people um, at my work that I really got along with. We were going out every weekend. We were partying. I was really, really, really enjoying my late teens, early 20s. You know, and I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go back to having Saturday nights where I couldn't hang out with my friends. Okay. You know what? At that stage, at that stage, wrestling wasn't, it definitely wasn't a priority for me at all. Yeah. It was not a priority for me at all. And, um, and yeah, I was having the time of my life really. And then I, um, and then I met my now husband. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was, it was that early on. Yeah, so early twenties. So I was I was twenty one. It was the year that we all turned twenty one. Right. Um, so I again, you know, I hadn't wrestled in quite a long time. And yep. um, yep, I met my I met my husband uh through mutual friends and um we hit it off and he was a rugby player and I just thought that was the gayest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember always saying to him, I'm like, You think you're such a big shot because you're a rugby player. So I was a wrestler. Like, you have nothing on me. But I could yeah. never prove it because I wasn't in wrestling at the time, you know? So wrestling was always sort of in the back of my mind, being like, well, this guy needs to know how cool I am. <laughs> yeah. You needed to sort of compare, uh, I guess, having that contact sport background, you felt like, hey, you know, I, I can do I can do something much harder than rugby. Yeah, exactly. And it was also more of the fact that I'd go down to the rugby club and I would be, oh, this is this is Steve's missus. I didn't even have a name down there. Right. I right. was just I was just some chick. Miss Steve. All right. Miss Steve. Yep. So you uh went went from beating up the guys because they looked at you funny in the ring to now being well, they're looking at you funny, but you're not even in the ring. You're just Miss Steve as opposed to Miss Brandy. Miss Steve. Yep, just right. Steve. So, is this is this what started channeling the the feeling and the sensation of hey, maybe you know maybe I could get back in there again? What what was that moment that sort of clicked for you to say, you know what, I kind of miss it, and I want to see if I can do it again. I'll be I'll be totally honest. Like that had always been in the back of my mind um, a little bit, um, but it was you. Me. Yeah, you. You called me up. Oh, here we go. As you do. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you were blubbering on about something. No idea. Oh, you know, yep. as you do. Yep, thanks. <laughs> and, um, and then you just happened to ask me if I wanted to come down and train the girls for this company that you and Sweetass had started. Oh, yeah. The 
the the QPW with with um, Sweetass, Scott Black, and myself at that point when we first were putting it together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I hadn't, you know, I'd always sort of toyed with the idea and whatnot. But but when you called me up, I was like, you know what? I I think I'll take this opportunity to, you know, to really give it a go and see if I still love it and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did. Like I had the time of my life going in there, and and we had some promising some promising girls there, and some promising trainees, and and guys from the Sunshine Coast would come down and train, and um, it was just a great uh vibe there i thought you guys put together such a great training school um and i had the time of my life being there it really really like re- redeveloped my love for it yeah it, it was uh it, it was something that we put together to kind of create just a universal uh a universal hub and, a, and just a place where everyone could um just come together and learn together from all different places and avenues and backgrounds. Um, I, I think we extended it way more to have way many more trainees um, after I think the initial run of just the uh, the three of us sort of helm- running the helm at that point. We extended it to guys like AJ Istria, Island Boy Sai, um, and um, yeah, I think even Kelso Cajones came on board at some point too. And we ended up turning that first initial run that brought you back into a TV show and that was on 31 digital that aired and yeah, but, but shortly after that, what happened, it was a case of you weren't sort of feeling it uh, coming out of that first initial season. No, no, it wasn't so much. It wasn't so much that Um, we'd kind of got the news that um, Steve uh, had scored a contract to go play rugby over in Scotland. Right. Um, okay. You know, so that that was flights, accommodation, bills, all that stuff included. We just had to go over there and pay for food, really. So it was like a once-in-a-lifetime sort of opportunity for us to go. And it just so happened that I was building momentum with you guys, really enjoying it when that kind of got dropped on us. And it was really quite a quick um quick turnaround from that just being a discussion to that actually happening. And um, in that time, I had had to sort a lot of stuff out with work uh, before I headed off for for six months. Right. So okay. I didn't really have the time for it, which, again, sucks. But, again, like I keep saying, sometimes you have to put what puts food on your table first. And um, that was how that ended up happening. And then... When I came back from Scotland, QPW wasn't a thing anymore. Yeah, no, uh, some series of events um, with management and just the the way that the way that schematics work down there. Um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, the physical entity known as Thirty One Digital had to close, and therefore, because that that facility and that show was um, a, a byproduct of Thirty One, that yeah. It, kind of went with it at that point so but yeah, yeah I, mem- I remember you so you were establishing pretty much at this point you were sort of I guess you could sort of say that you were catching up with life at this point wrestling had been such a priority but now you're like hey I'm gonna actually do life for a while here I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do these things that you know growing up in adolescence and early 20s I didn't really get a chance to do because wrestling was such a huge you know priority for you at that point so now you've you've found a partner you're traveling overseas 
I assume the engagement comes shortly thereafter because you mentioned that you're now married, but having all that, do you have a conversation with uh, Steve about the, the, about the idea of, you know, this is, this is a couple of years later now. This is about where are we now? So the, the, the thing that we did was about 2013, 2014, maybe. Yep. And then you go overseas, you develop your life, you come back. And it wasn't until about maybe 2017, 2018, where you've, you're officially sort of back in the fold, not on a consistent basis, but enough to go, yeah, look, she's, she's doing these sort of sporadic matches, but it's sort of like almost every second month thereabouts. Um, what drew you back and was there a conversation during that time off? Cause that's a lot of time off to have, mm. you know, doing, doing life and, and pretty much starting your own identity outside of that wrestling world. What was happening for you in those four years that sort of brought up the conversation or brought up the idea of, you know what, it's still in my system after all this time, it's still there. Was something that you had discussed with Steve or was it just a natural occurrence during these four years that you had away from the business? Yeah, no. So when we got back from, um, well, well, when we moved to Scotland, um, I did a massive career change and started work over there as a disability support worker. And okay. um, I thought that would just be like a one-off stint and that I'd go back to doing my regular job when we moved back over to Australia. But that didn't end up happening. So um, we got back to Australia and I decided that I really did love disability support. So then I was studying there um, to get all my qualifications to do that over here. Yeah. Um, and then when I started in the industry, it's actually, it, it, it's an extremely hard industry um, when you're working in it. Um, the hours are long. Like sometimes I was doing 48 hour shifts. Um, I was doing sleepover shifts where um, you know, I'd start I'd start at 8 a.m. on a Monday and I wouldn't finish till, you know, like 4 p.m. On, on Wednesday sometimes. And then if someone called in sick, I'd be there for longer. It's um, So I was working quite a lot and um, we, was, we were saving to buy a house, which we did shortly after that because, you know, I, we put so much effort into to getting a property because we didn't want to rent for the rest of our lives. We're still living with, with Steve's parents at the time. And um, we just wanted something that was ours. So, you know, again, like, again, I say there wasn't time for wrestling mm. while we were doing this. And, you know, eventually, you know, we moved into our house and um, you've been here. It's amazing. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, a lovely place. Yeah. And, um, and then I guess we kind of settled back into normal life. Um, I changed jobs still in the disability sector, but wasn't working the big hours that I had been working in the beginning. Um, and then I remember, um, just seeing something on Facebook one day about one of those little 12 year old trainee girls that had been around back in the day, uh, making it to the May Young competition. Right. And I just, it just blew my fucking mind. <laughs> right. And I just went, oh, holy shit. Like she, she did it. 
She did. Yeah. She made something of herself. She actually made something out of wrestling. Yeah. And it was just that moment that I, I sent her, a, I sent her a message on Facebook, and I said, "I'm just so goddamn proud of you. Like, what an amazing thing for you to have done. You've worked so hard." And I said, "You know, you you started off in wrestling, and you come to me, and you you said that you're my biggest fan, and 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 uh, you idolized me. But in all honesty, I idolized you. Look at you go." And, mm-hmm. you know, she said, thank you so much. Like, that means the world coming from you. Yep. And um, and then I decided, shit, let's give it a go. Let's let's do something with this. I don't have to, I don't have to um, make this my absolute life. Wrestling doesn't have to be my life right now, but it can be a part of it. And I can yeah. have a healthy, I say work-life um, balance, but I think it's more wrestling-life balance, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not a priority anymore to you in the sense of, of how it was when you first started, but it's enough there to go, hey, I've got the experience. I kind of miss it. Uh, I maybe could do it as just a, a, a part-time hobby thing. Um, and that's the way you're approaching it this, this time around? Yes, exactly. I approached it more as a hobby than I did um, – than I did anything else. And I was also sitting there looking at, you know, my my then fiance, um, and he would go to rugby training two nights a week. And then, and then he, in rugby season, he'd have, he'd have games on Saturdays. And I'm like, well, why can't I do that? Right. Okay. You can do that. Why can't I? And, um, and so I, you know, I went back down to, to IPW, which I hadn't been at since God knows when. Um, and I had a chat with, the new owner there and um yeah kind of just came down and, and started getting back into training and funnily enough my first training session back we talk about bumps um you know killing us and all that kind of stuff in the beginning i took a front bump not in the ring on the mats outside which is something i had done a million times and that my body did naturally yeah uh and i actually pulled all the muscles on the left side of my neck and down my left trap Wow. Ed First was bump. Out ten, was out for 10 weeks. First bumps. First bump. First bump back. And so <laughs> that must have been a very, uh, was that a big wake up call to say, man, I'm like, because you're obviously going in with the same mindset that you had when you're about 15, 16, going into your first matchups with uh, Bella. You must be thinking like, yeah, I still got this. This is in the bag. Yep. You have that moment. What happens then? Do you go, oh, yeah, I'm a different person now? <laughs> I kind of went, oh, okay, I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, so that was an embarrassing conversation I had to have with the guys there. Like, oh, yeah, you saw me once. I'll be back in 10 weeks. That's cool. Wow. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, they were all excited to to have me back and everything. And in a way, it was like I'd never even left. You know, I you know picked up yeah. conversations and friendships that I had been doing years ago. Yeah, it is one of the unique places that I've discovered, um, and maybe because we both started there, but um, yeah, it, it is that really nice family vibe of being able to pick up pretty much immediately where you left off because of the camaraderie down there. Like I know from my own experience, like when I went back, um, you know, I, I felt a bit awkward in myself like I didn't know if I'd be yeah I just didn't know I didn't know I didn't know what to expect but I just knew in myself I was like I feel anxious but 
being put into that fold, being coming back, seeing all the old faces again that were there when I started, it was like, hey, man, welcome home. That's essentially yeah. the vibe I got. And you, you got the same thing too. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. So you, you're back home. You start developing a bit of a track record, um, getting some matches back under your belt. You're also, I believe at this point, are you starting to, similar to what you did with me when I started, are you starting to get that that sort of mentor training aspect, like bringing up the younger girls at that time? Because I assume yeah. there was there was younger girls there that were training, or other girls, I should say, training at, 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 at this federation at that point. There were. There were two other girls. Again, both of them, both of them very young. Um, and I remember, you know, um, owner of IPW now, Josh, he, he asked me if I would help train his girls. And I said, yeah, 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 cool. All good. Um, and you know, like, you know, the boys would come up to me and they said, oh, they're just like, you know, they've, they've just got no confidence and they've, they've, you know, they're just stuck in doing the same thing. And then they get stuck and we tend to baby them because they're girls and they're young. And I said, okay, yeah, cool. All right, same, same old story, always happens, always happens. Um, so I got them out of their comfort zone. I got the girls out of their comfort zone. I made them put on a, put on, you know, like a mini match um, in front of all these boys. I made all these boys sit down and, uh, you know, in a ring, like in a, around them and then put on a match in front of them. I made the boys boo. I made the boys cheer and stuff like that. And you could see just from, just from little confidence boosts like that, that the girls were actually starting to like to get it and get into it. Yep. Before that, they just wanted to cower in a corner and be like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to step up in front of all the boys, you know? Yeah. yeah, 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 and, yeah. Um, anyway, I took one of these, the older of the two girls, Taylor, and um, um, I said to Josh, I said, I can do a match with this girl. And Josh was a bit sceptical at the time. He said, oh, I don't know, you know, you've been out for a long time and Taylor, you know, she's, you know, she's never had a match before and she's still like a rookie, rookie. I said, no, give, it, give her to me. Give yeah. it to me, and I'll and I'll show you that we can that that I can coach her through, and we can do a match together. Right. And he and he put his trust in me, and you know, like sweet ass was behind me one hundred percent of the way. He said, "Yeah, yeah, she can do it." All that stuff. And um, so my first match back, I had this this green rookie that had that had never done a show before. Um, it was just about puking her guts up backstage. <laughs> You're making her feel welcome. Yep, and <laughs> she had. A great match. She had a great first match. I I don't think many rookies go out there and have as good a match as what she had for her right. first match ever. Yeah, yeah. And um and you know Josh come up to me afterwards and he goes, God, it's like you've got like a magic touch. Like you just did it. And I said, it's not. It's not about anything to do with magic touches or anything. It's about building confidence. If you can make these girls and these boys, if you can make any of them feel confident and trust you that you're going to look after them out there, they'll do okay. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and you, that, you know, that was great. I loved that. But then I also kind of went, okay, like I spent years, I spent years training um, boys and girls and, and people like that and having to train the people who I was going to have a match with. And I was like, I'd like to, you know, work with other people that are more experienced than me so that I can learn myself. Because, you know, I felt like pretty stuck in a rut. Like there's things that girls are doing these days that I wouldn't have even fucking dreamed of doing. Right. So you like, wanted oh, to. I, I was like, I don't know you could do that with your body. Fuck. 
Yeah, so you were more approaching it not from the sake of that you were bored, but you were just coming back into it now and you're like, I still want to be able to learn things and I want to have new experiences that I may or may not be able to get in one place compared to another. And it's not any way that the 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 companies directed themselves you were just look you were just on that hunt for i need to uh, i want to continue to learn in in whichever way which was possible and and at that time the only way that was possible was to go uh and experience other places or other companies yeah look i i make no um i've never been quiet about the fact that um you know that certain companies don't want you know, certain other companies, wrestlers, wrestling for them. I think that's all a load of shit. In this day and age, especially in Queensland, where there's not that many of us, I think it's just stupid to limit people to one company, Um, especially girls. There are not that many of us. Mm. And that was my thing. That's, that's, that's what I said. I said, I want, I want to, I want to wrestle more girls. I said, I've got my two trainees here and that's great. And I'll build them up. I said, but I want to have in my last stint in wrestling, have fantastic matches with some other girls that have had just as much experience, if not more as me. Yeah. I said, I want to learn from them. I want to show that, that I, um, no, that I can't, that I don't just train up trainees and then have, Good matches with trainees like I wanted to have good matches with actual you know proper established wrestlers mm. and female wrestlers at that I spent years just wrestling boys yeah yeah exactly you were it was one of those situations that you just had to you were just put in because it was like you want to wrestle okay but there's no girls you kind of just have to fight the guys I did yeah and for years and I didn't want to do that anymore and um and so you know I said unfortunately like I'm gonna go where the girls are you know, and there were, you know, there were two girls at Venom that I was desperate to wrestle, absolutely desperate to wrestle. Yeah. Um, Rebel and Sophia Morales. Right. Rebel, definitely. I like, I was like, abs- I, I wanted to wrestle this girl. I thought we would have fantastic matches together. So I come across to Venom and, and Rebel has a major injury, like a major, major spinal injury. Yeah. Yeah. So we never got the opportunity to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm still devastated by that because I think we could have done amazing things. Mm-hmm. But then they said, oh, well, we've got Sophia. And I said, yes, sweet, let's let's go. And, and Sophia and I just clicked. And, you know, I thank her for giving me some of the best matches that I ever had. Yeah, I mean, they were intense to the point of it felt so good to not only be in that locker room and to see you again after so much time apart but we've always stayed in contact we've always hung out that when we can but to see you in that wrestling environment again it felt like hey this is something that it wasn't needed but you were definitely missing it and it felt good to sort of scratch that itch but those series of matches you guys had were quite honestly some of the best matches that i've seen either of you uh perform in and it was just it was it was really great, not only from a, a fan's perspective to see the two of you clash and and click and have it all gel and and tell those stories that you guys were able to tell, but yeah, on a personal note, just to see you back in there and just to be like, yeah, like you know, and just say to people, this is the person that 
knocked me out my first day. No, you didn't. Uh, I'm only lying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is the person that first took it, like arguably one of the first few down on when I started. Um, and there was only a count on one hand list of the guys at the time, Hawk being one of them that said, Hey, yeah, you know, this guy's really good and he's, we should give him a chance. And you're one of those people. So to come full circle now, many years later, close to almost at this point, probably nine years later to say, Hey, this is what I was talking about. This is what she's got and this is what she can do. And yeah, it was just so rewarding. And, you know, did you feel coming out of those series of matches and having those opportunities to work with uh, certain girls, you mentioned not being able to work with Rebel, you worked with Sophia, you did get to do um, a little bit of a series there with Tali, also in Venom as well. Um, both uh, Tali you had in Venom, but Sophia you managed to cross over with Venom and AWA. Yep. At that point then, you sort of put a cap on it, you sort of stopped and said, all right, I've, I've got my fix, um, I'm, I'm good for a while now. And you, you, you put a stop to it. Now, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask all wrestling, all wrestling fans want to know, and all guys in the industry, guys and girls in the industry always say the same thing when they walk away. Is this for forever or is this a never say never? No, this is a forever. Oh, really? This is, a, so, yeah, this is a forever. Wow. I, um, yeah, rough, right? Yeah, no, that's shocked me. Like I thought you were gonna say, "Oh, look, I never say never," but no, you're you're committed. You're as committed as you were in that first day training. This is this is legit. This is legit. This is legit because you know I didn't just get my fix um, of wrestling and then walk away. I got proposed to. I planned a wedding. I got married, and I really wanted to start a family. I yeah. and I. Like I, I'm 29 years old now. Right. And, you know, if, you know, I'm lucky enough to start a family even in the next year, you know, that puts me out for another two years. So I'll, I'd be, you know, 31, 32 by the time I could even think about coming back. Right. Okay. And man, I hurt taking bumps at 28. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know how I would do it 32. And I'm not yeah. saying... You know, I'm not saying women should stop at a certain age. I'm not saying men should stop at a certain age. I said, do you, do you. I know, I know one lady who's, um, you know, at the Fale dojo who's in her bloody 40s and she's still loving life and wrestling and everything like that, you know. But um, for me, I came back into wrestling this time around um, with an itch to scratch and, be, and looking at it as a hobby. And... This is not a hobby that I feel I can continue in my thirties. Right. Okay. My body just—I don't—I just can't take it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that. So that's. Uh, wow, man, I'm still shook from that revelation. So that's. Uh, are Are you looking back now? I mean, if if this is how you're feeling, this is what you want to do moving forward. Because, yeah, being there at at your wedding, being able to come in and, and MC your wedding was truly an honor. And I, I had a lot of fun doing that. And, uh, so many good photos came out of, of, of the reception, but most importantly, that wedding, um, I mean, you look stunning, Steve, eh, it was all right, but yeah, you looked incredible. It was such a, yeah, he, he's all right. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was an incredible day and a complete honor. And I'm, 
really privileged and humbled that you extended. I think I joked and I was like, I'm going to MC it. And then you went, well, actually. Well, actually you are. <laughs> yeah. So uh, again, like it was such an amazing day and I was so happy for you. Not anymore. No, I am. <laughs> I was so happy for you on that day. It was, it was so great to see, to know you from how I first met you, to see you pretty much um, just evolve over time um, and be there for you on arguably one of the most special days, maybe a close second to winning a, the title. Not many playing. It was the most important day in your life. <laughs> and to be able to yeah. share that with you was just awesome. And to see Bella there again too um, was just fantastic. But, but you're telling me now that with all things considered, looking back on your career, that's it. Are you happy with everything that you were able to accomplish? If yeah, this is I am. I am. I'm, ha I'm happy with, I'm happy with how, with everything that's happened. I, you know what, this was something that I have loved since I was, you know, 11, 12 years old. I'll still turn on wrestling every now and again when it's on and watch it. If, you know, especially it gives me such a thrill to see, you know, a couple of people pop up on some of the different wrestling, big wrestling shows and me go, I know that person. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. But at the end of the day, wrestling to me, deserves people who can give it 100%. Right. And you feel like with everything going on in your life, it's like you were, you've given it 100%. So you know firsthand just how, uh, just how much is required to devote into it. And at this stage in your life, no, you want to do the you want to do the life aspect. You want to devote to your life rather than to the, the industry because you've been through that. I have, I have, I, and, 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 um, you know, like everyone's experience in this industry is different. You'll get some people that, that'll say to you, you know, some people that are in their fifties and, you know, they live, you know, you know, modest lives and everything like that. And they've given everything to wrestling, everything in their world. And they'd say, I'd never change. I'd never change that for a second. Mm. And that's, that's how they want to live. You know, like I congratulate them. I love the fact that they've had such enthusiasm for wrestling, but I just don't have that anymore. Right. My enthusiasm okay. now is, is, is for the life that I'm building with my husband, you know, the potential children that we're going to have, um, you know, and everything to do with that and wrestling. Don't, don't get me wrong. When I have kids, I'll be taking them to live shows. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll be taking them down to training and I'll be living vicariously through them. But, for me, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I'm done. Right. Okay. So there might be second generation Brandy or Brian, Brandy or Brian Alexander's and you may be training them, but you yourself as a performer, that's, uh, that, that's calling it a day. That's calling it a day. Yep. Wow. Well, that's, uh, for the people listening out there, this isn't a work. I'm not pretending I'm genuinely. I had a feeling this day would come, but I had no idea that interviewing you today would be that day. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> you said tears. <laughs> I didn't think it would come from me. Um, <laughs> but hey, you're making me feel in these deep feelings. It's now time for me to bring up a segment that I do with all the guests I have on my podcast. I'm going to do what's called a deep dive. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, only of which you can give your own unique and spin on. So Brandy, are you ready for a deep dive? I am ready. What would you tell yourself now if you could travel back in time, see 15, 16-year-old you, what would you tell yourself now if you were starting out? Um, 
I think I'd say push a little bit harder. Say, don't be afraid um, to take the steps that I was afraid to take back then. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And do you mean like in ring, like uh, there were some certain moves where you went, oh, I don't know how to do this, or do you mean just from a commitment standpoint? I mean from a commitment standpoint. I think if okay. you are going to start, you you do need to be committed. Like, um, you know, I should have been looking at options. You know, 15 is young, but I should have been looking at options for like when I turned 18 to go overseas and train or to go to other places in Australia and train. Um, if that was what I really wanted to do, that's what I should have done, but I didn't. And then I got stuck in limbo. Yeah. Okay. What uh, What was a turning point in your life and how did it affect you and how did you overcome it? Um, look, the major, the major turning point in my life was uh, moving to Scotland. Um, right. Yeah. I, I think it really, well, it flipped my world upside down because I never, you know, like I, I'd only ever really been on holidays outside of Australia like once before that and then I lived in this whole other country and um, it just gave me one it gave me perspective on on what an absolutely amazing country we live in especially being able to live here on the Gold Coast Gold Coast you either love it or you hate it I'm a Gold Coast girl through and through um, right. but yeah it showed me how lucky I was to live in the country that I live in um, mm-hmm. and and it showed me that that you know unexpected things like being offered the opportunity to move overseas, take them, always take them or else you regret it forever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you just seize the opportunity basically is what you're getting at. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Every single time. If, it, if you fail, so what? Pick yourself up, dust yourself off and keep going. Yeah. Oh, solid sound advice. I cannot argue with that at all. I mean, yeah, there's one of those things where you just never know where certain things may lead to and the power of just agreeing to and saying yes and undertaking certain things, it, it can lead to weird and wonderful things like going to Scotland and hell, being married to Steve. Not that I'm saying everyone out there should be married to Steve because that's that's what Brandy's doing and that's Brandy's thing. So stay away from Steve. That's done. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it could lead to you meeting your future partner and being married. So. Not even that, not even that. It could lead to you, it could lead to you, um, you know, living your dream, you know? Yeah. You know, this applies to everything in life. It doesn't just apply, you know, it applies to wrestling, it applies to jobs, it applies to, fuck, meeting new people. It applies to everything. Take every opportunity there is out there because you don't know what's around the corner. You know, had I have turned around and said, oh, yeah, I'm going to uh, stay with this company when I was when I broke up with my first wrestling boyfriend and stuff like that, I might have had a completely different experience. It might be somewhere else in wrestling. But I said, oh, no, I'll stick with what I know. Don't be afraid to get outside the box. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's some solid advice for anyone out there, guy or girl, whether in the industry or not, that is some solid advice. But Brandy... What is the best advice that you have ever received? Mm. And this could be in your personal life or it could be in wrestling. Because obviously with wrestling, uh, I assume that, you know, there was that mantra for a long time. And sometimes that stigma still swirls around today, which it really shouldn't. But sometimes people can't shake it, which is the, oh, there's girls wrestling. I'm going to take a break. Hearing that insult you know, that must have been a fired up moment heading into wrestling, but was there ever any, any advice to you either in wrestling to maybe over, maybe conquer that certain part of it? Or was there even better advice that you received in your everyday life? Well, 
to do with the piss break stuff. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, so, that's it. Yeah, I um, when I first started uh, training, we were doing matches just at training. Um, I remember, like I said earlier, like we only really had people like Trish Stratus and Lita to look up to, who you know are great, but they're not the talent that is out there today. And um, I remember getting in there with Bella and doing a typical women's move that I'd seen where I Luthers pressed her and then I grabbed her hair and I was smacking her head into the mat. And, I, you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm doing a great job of this. This is exactly what they do on TV. And all of a sudden I started hearing boos and jeers and, oh, piss break, piss break. And we stopped the match and Sweet Ass, who was training us at the time, said, this is what girls do on the TV that is considered a piss break. He goes, you can't do stuff like this. He goes, you need to, you need to break the mold and, and, and you need to not do any of this, this shit here. And yeah. I, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, okay. So like these, these guys sitting here expect more of me than, than, than this, 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 this shit, this TNA um, cat fight bullshit. Right. And, it, and for me, that was the point where I went, oh, okay, well, I'm okay. I'm never going to do that ever again. I'm just not going to do that. And I fought again and again and again then to wrestle, you know, without, you know, like it sounds stupid these days because the girls are so good, but I, I strived to wrestle like a boy, not like a girl back then. Yeah. Okay. So you just sort of, it fired you up even more to just say, hey, I'm not taking that. Yeah, it, it more so made me go, okay, I've got so, I've got something to prove here. Like I, you know, I don't need to be a piss break. I don't want to be the piss break. Yeah. Well, what about everyday life? Was there anything in your everyday life that we given some really sound advice on? Um, I guess I, I was told, like, don't take, uh, it, it's a typical thing that everyone that everyone says, but I think it means something different to every people. It's don't take life so seriously, right? Um, and I think this translate pretty, translates pretty well because everyone has their own battles in life. Everyone um, can get stuck in the dark times and everything like that. But I think if you just find the time to just relax and just laugh with friends and enjoy yourself. And not take yourself so seriously. I think life's not going to get you down so much. I feel yeah. that sometimes, and you know, this is this is in my real life, and and it applies to wrestling as well because I feel there's a lot of wrestlers out there that take themselves very seriously, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they they can't take a joke, or you know, they get really offended by by comments on social media and and whatnot about their fake character, about a character, about a person that's not real. Mm. You know, and I think that you need to take a step back and go, huh, okay. They're not actually attacking me. They're attacking this 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 fake character that I built. Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, that is that is something that, that a lot of people in the industry have to think about. I look, admittedly, there are times, multiple times throughout the years, throughout the 12 years that I've been doing it now where I've fallen into that trap and I'm like, Hey, you know, I know that person and you know, they're, they're saying things online and I'm going, yeah, but it, 
it is you're a, you're absolutely right there are there are times in the moment where you react and you go oh that, that person knows me why are they commenting on that on that you know that announcement of my match and it's not me as a human being like my everyday life it is my character it is my persona but i i end up breaking that wall by going hey because i know that person and they're writing these comments i take that to heart but yes yeah yes. it's it is one of those things where you go hey they're not having a dig at you at a person they're just they're just being fans, you know, and that's something that we've all been fans of. Um, there's been many times where all of us collectively have either watched something that we love or even something that we hate. We've always played commentary and gone, oh, that guy's shit. Oh, I don't like that person. But, hey, it's not that you don't like that human being. It's just that character that may or may not appeal to you. Yeah, exactly. And, it's not, and, and like, it's so funny because when I, you know, when I first got back into – wrestling you know like I, you know when I first said I was like 15 okay imagine a 15 year old body compared to a you know a 26 year old body who has has partied I had partied you know I was yeah. a little bit more rotund than I had been back in the day <laughs> right okay. but you want to yeah. know what I got I got into my fucking lycra gear mm-hmm. um you know I felt I I felt like I was hot shit. I got my new gear made. Um, I really enjoyed it. I got some promotional pictures taken. And um, there was one poster that was me versus Sophia Morales up on the up on the internet on one of the pages. And um, an old wrestler, someone who like has no place judging other people, turned around and put a comment up on Facebook and went, oh, Brandy's let herself go. Yeah, not exactly the nicest thing you want to read. No, but you want to know what I did? I just laughed and I said, oh, mate. So you should have seen me when I came back from Scotland. I rolled back into the country. I'm looking great. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I remember that post and I remember a lot of people coming to your defense on that. Yes, I thank them. I thank everyone. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, everyone on there that commented and tell this guy who's a piece of shit for commenting on my weight. But my point here is to not take yourself so seriously. I could have sat in a corner for weeks. You know, at, at 15, I would have sat in a corner for weeks at that comment and cried and not ate or, you know, like went for stupid fucking runs all the time and been like, oh, you know, these, these, these people are judging me. Mm. Nah, it's just not worth it. It is not worth it. Yeah. Don't pull yourself up over what other people say. So they say, don't take yourself so seriously. Yeah. But the one thing that some people may take seriously is the idea and the concept of being successful, of the idea of being successful. How would you define success? Mm, mm. So this is, this is an interesting one because I think I have a bit of a different view of success. I have a bit of a materialistic view on success, I guess. Like, you know, a lot of people, you know, we've, we've had this discussion before where a lot of people have said, you know, um, you can measure success by happiness. Yeah, yeah, to an extent. But I think that's, I think happiness is a very broad spectrum. Um, I think it's more so, are you content? Are you content right. in everything that, that you've got? Are you content in your life, in your work? in your wrestling career are you content Mm. if you're content and you and and you're like yep i'm not missing anything here um and 
and I don't I don't feel like anything anything's um, missing, then I think, yeah, yeah, you probably are quite successful. All right, so all right, this is the part of the podcast now which I like to call the Lipton Six. This is in tribute of James Lipton, who sadly we lost earlier this year in March 2020. He was an American writer, lyricist, actor, and the dean of the Actors Studio Drama School at Pace University in New York City, where he hosted and ran his TV show Inside the Actors Studio from 1994-2018. So in honor and tribute of him, I'm going to ask you his famous six questions that he would ask all his guests before wrapping up his interview. So first one, what is your favorite word? No. Fuck. <laughs> Man, the amount of people that come on here and say that's their favorite word straight off the bat. <laughs> uh what turns you on? Now, it can be in the way that you're thinking of or it can be in a life aspect, like things you really enjoy or that of that nature. Mm. Good conversation, I'd say. Yeah, so not today. Brandy's bored out of her brain. Not, <laughs> not today. Not turned on today. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Oh. I love the sound of the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, that is an addictive sound to get to uh have hit your system. Once that once that gets into your bloodstream, man, that's very hard to to uh to get it out. There's uh there's, that's why they say, you know, performing is a is addictive. It feels like a drug because yeah, a lot of times you do get addicted to that noise. Absolutely. Uh well, you've answered it already, but I'm going to ask you again and feel free to change your original answer. What is your favorite curse word? Oh. Yeah, no, fuck. <laughs> All right, so we're taking, we got two birds with one stone on that answer. All right, cool. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, that's interesting. I'd like to be a lawyer, but not like a boring Australian lawyer, like a lawyer on. Law and Order SVU. <laughs> so you want to be a TV lawyer? You don't want to be an actual one? Yeah, no, no. I don't want to be a boring one. I just want to be a TV lawyer. So how okay. about we say, how about how about we say, I just want to act on Law and Order SVU and I want to be their ADA. Okay, cool. All right. So, yeah, Judge Brandy. Um, <laughs> now, the last of the Lipton Six, before I hit you with the last segment of this podcast, the last of the Lipton Six questions. Brandy, if heaven exists... What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I've got a lifetime supply supply of chocolate for you. <laughs> Man, that's uh, that's heaven in itself. All right, so we're coming on down now to the final four. We're about to hit the nitrous into overdrive. We're about to slam on that pedal Vin Diesel style and race towards the finish line of this podcast. We've gone through how we know each other. We've gone through your start all the way up until now. Brandy, are you ready now for the final four? Yes. I'd hope you say, would say that. It'd be a bit weird if you said no. <laughs> now, was there ever a point where you thought, hey, this isn't going to work, this might not be for me? Oh, several times. Yeah, was it in your personal life or was it in, was it in pro wrestling? 
Oh, there were a few. So, you know, personal life, um, you know, I've been through quite a few different jobs where I've said that. And yeah. um, I think the important thing there is just to go, if you don't think it's for you, change it. Do not be unhappy. Do not sit in an unhappy situation. Yeah, exactly. Change it. You always have the power to change it. I 110% agree. I couldn't agree any more strongly with that, with that statement. There are so many times where I know people – you yourself have been through it. I know I have where they just put themselves in those toxic, bad situations and they just sort of suck it up and think, no, it'll get better. No, if it's not working now, it's hard to see. It's hard to see and it's hard to say if it will ever work out in the long run. Yes. Now, have you ever stopped and thought, man, how the hell did I get here? Yes. Yes, I did. So... <laughs> Um, was it when you went to Scotland or was it something that happened in the ring? Or was it your wedding day? Uh, was you, were you up there oh, about, yeah, to get, hey. about to get married and you're like, how the hell did I get here? Oh, hey, definitely, definitely. On that, on that day, everything was very surreal. And I was, um, I'm sitting in the limo on my way to the venue going, oh, shit, it's real now. Like, what, how did this happen? Like, yeah. in a good way, though. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a very surreal um very surreal situation because I mean for a girl like and you know there'll be there'll be some feminists out there that don't agree with me but for a girl it's kind of like the be all and end all is is someone actually wants to spend the rest of their life with you wants to put a ring on your finger spend 30 40 50 fucking grand on one day because they want to be with you it's crazy yeah uh no that's that is definitely one of those moments that takes you out out of the box and makes you think Okay, this is uh, this is life. This is life, and it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Currently, now, based on your previous answer, this may be the same answer. But again, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I'm going to leave it up to you. Currently, what is your proudest moment or achievement? Actually, my proudest moment is starting and having a successful business for a year now. Yeah, no, that is some definite, proud, independent moment right there. Yeah, that has nothing to do with with anything else. I know I've spoken a lot about marriage and stuff, and you know, I'm not, you know, I, I don't think like that's that's not the end of me. You know, that's not the end of me. That's not just who I am. I'm not just a wife. I'm not just an ex wrestler. I am a business owner, and like I'm so goddamn proud of starting this business and having run it successfully for a year. Yeah. And now having employees under me and having multiple clients and having a very reputable name down here on the Gold Coast for my business. Yeah, well, hey, <laughs> given all that, it's hard to not be proud of that, right? Yeah. Now, going back to when you first started in this business, uh, back to 15, thinking about, hey, this is this is going to be an interesting time. You're, you're dating someone in the industry as well during this time, but did you ever think back at that age, at the age you are now, did you ever think once you'd hit this age, did you ever think this is where you'd be? No, absolutely not. I thought I would, as as every 15-year-old thinks when they, you know, when they start, you know, their 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 hobby and their passion and everything like that, I thought I'd be 
women's champion on WWE. I yeah. thought um, I thought that I would marry that boy, and that he'd propose to me in the ring, and then we'd have a and then we'd have a wedding in the ring, and um, all that kind of loser talk. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I just like look back on it and I go, what a dickhead, what a dickhead. <laughs> but hey, looking back on it all now. Are you you're happy with the way it all went down? Absolutely. You've got to, you know, you get, like I said, you get knocked down, you dust yourself up, off and you get back up. Like there were multiple times there where I was down and out and picked myself up and, and, you know, got back into the groove of life in general. And I think that's important. I think that um, you just need to, need to keep on going and you need to talk to people if you're not, if you're struggling. You know, you and I have had multiple conversations over the years um, about mental health and and struggling and everything like that. Yeah. And I just think that's so important. Yeah. So for anyone out there um, that is hearing this podcast and is dealing with anything where they're in an environment that um, they're either not happy about or they're just not doing well within themselves, man, reach out, you know, that don't feel like you're alone in this because... Yeah, there was definitely many a times that Brandy and I, both individually and collectively, felt like this, you know, we suck, this sucks. But, hey, in our own lives, we reached out sometimes to each other. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy to say that either with her support um, or me supporting her, that, yeah, we were both able to get through it amongst and amongst a flurry of other people also involved. But, yeah, we always had each other's backs. But the main thing is that, hey, anyone out there listening, make sure you reach out and take that first initial step. I know it's scary. And I know you don't. You feel like, oh, I'm going to annoy people. It's going to be a burden. No. If you're in Strive, please do the right thing by yourself. Do the right thing to you and reach out and get, get you back on track. Yes, definitely. Well, speaking of tracks, man, what a track record we've just been through, Brandy. We've been through our history, how we met each other, the friendship that we've had all these years, getting you back into the business, learning about your history in the business, but also the life you had while being a part of this industry. It has been so wonderful to not only have you come aboard this podcast, um, but just to really learn of your story. Many of those stories that I knew firsthand, but there was a lot there especially that damn cliffhanger ending you gave me to this <laughs> to this podcast. But no, it, it really hit home. Um, there's a lot of things there that I wasn't aware of that opened my eyes. But hey, at the end of the day, um, you're, you're my sister from another mister. Um, there are times where I can see the look in your eye like you want to forearm me like you did on day one. But hey, uh, 12 years later, I'm very proud of you. I'm I'm happy to call you, uh, yeah, my my sister from another mister. You've been a friend for life, and I really want to appreciate everything you've done, not only for the business but for me. And thank you again for coming on today. No worries. Thanks for having me, Flash. And that's it. I want to thank Brandy again for coming on board the podcast here. Man, what a ride! Twelve years ago, Brandy Alexander forearm me in the face, <laughs> knocking me on my ass, and twelve years later. She's a sister from another mister. Thank you all for listening so much. Again, hit up the Facebook, Little Man Big Conversations, Instagram, LMBC Podcast, and Twitter, LMBC underscore podcast. Stay tuned to this podcast channel. I got more interviews coming your way, and I got plenty more on the horizon. 
and I'll catch you next time. <laughs>